Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the latest episode of Five on the Floor on the Five Reasons Sports Network. You also can hear us every day on the Nothing But Net channel. That's on Dash Radio from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. So download the Dash Radio app, search for Nothing But Net, and you will find us. Also check out FiveReasonSports.com. Spell it out, F-I-V-E, ReasonSports.com. After every game, immediately, there'll be a takeaways article from Brady Hawk. And then as soon as the conference calls are done, he posts a recap of those. So why are you going to pay somewhere else? Check out FiveReasonSports.com. It's free. Also check out our YouTube channel. Both myself and Greg Sylvander put up exclusive videos on our YouTube channel today. We're posting a ton of heat stuff. But also we started a Miami Hurricanes show called The Sixth Ring. We basically jinxed the entire college football season. But still, check out all our content there. And check out our sponsors, including one of our favorite sponsors, Biscayne Bay Brewing, the official craft beer of Inner Miami, the Miami Marlins, who I believe are still in first place, even with a couple losses, and Five Reason Sports. This is South Florida's actual independent brewery. Biscayne Bay is owned by local guys who employ people in this community to make their beer right here in South Florida. These guys are committed to our community and to supporting Five Reason Sports so we can keep bringing you all the local sports content that you can handle. If you care about supporting local business and drinking amazing beer, grab their stuff. That's Marlins Lager, Miami Pale Ale, and Tropical Bay IPA at all major retailers throughout South Florida. It's the beer we're drinking at Five Reason Sports. And now, today's episode. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a Miami Heat and NBA podcast from Ethan Skolnick with Alvon Sydney, a.k.a. ALF954, brought to you by the Five Reasons Sports Network. All right, Ethan Skolnick back on Five on the Floor. Today's floor plan, going to do a couple of different things for you. I've got Greg Sylvander. I've got Alex Salito. Alf is somewhere on the west coast of Florida. We assume he's coming back, but he will be joining us at some point this week. We're going to get to three different things today. One, update you on all the injuries, the comings and goings, the quarantines, et cetera, with the heat. Second, we'll, we'll break down what the playoff picture looks like. We're doing this episode right after the Sixers' loss to the Blazers. So we're going to tell you what that means. And third, we're going to talk a lot about Tyler Hero. You can also check out a guts check from Greg Sylvander on our YouTube channel about Tyler Hero. Finally, at the end of the episode, I had a chance last week to talk for about 20 minutes to Michael McCulloch, who is an executive vice president of the Heat. He basically runs all their marketing. You'll find the, the interview really interesting. He gets into their, their voting program and I, th I think people should hear it because they should understand where the heat's coming from on this they're not telling you who to vote for they're just trying to make it easier to vote and also he gets into some stuff about marketing the team uh, during the pandemic while they're in the bubble and some cool stuff on digital fans a couple of whom you may know all right so let's get right to it um, let's do the updates Greg let's start uh, with who's back in okay so Jimmy Butler 
Uh, told Mark Stein yesterday, I'd actually heard about it a few minutes before, but Jimmy spilled the beans. He's going to play on Monday. Uh, I heard he, was, he wanted to play in, in Saturday's game against Phoenix. The Heat held him out. Um, I'm not saying he was upset about it, but he definitely wanted to play, and he's going to play on Monday. Goran Dragic, I've heard, is also likely to play. It's not as definite as Jimmy, but he's likely to play with that bad ankle. Kendrick Nunn returned to the bubble on Saturday. He has to quarantine, and I was told that he could play as soon as next Friday if they need him or they just want to get him some work, depending on what that second game against Indiana means. So let's, let's get to all of this after the Phoenix game. Um, how important is it that Jimmy's back, I guess? And we might have Goron, and obviously Nunn's not going to play the next couple. Thank goodness. That's all I can say. I think that um, the last two games uh, in particular, we've seen some, some fun stuff from Tyler Hero and others, but ultimately two losses. This is not the time to be dropping games, particularly when the seeding is so close. So you've kind of got this marquee matchup. It's, it's kind of ironic that it, it's not going to make na- you know, national TV. Um, I, you would think that they would flex another game out and get this one in there because it has such playoff implications between uh, Indiana and Miami. And, uh, and the teams don't like each other. And to have Jimmy back in that scenario, particularly with you know, TJ Warren, who is questionable but has been out of his mind, I think that, that just it adds a little bit of flavor to this. And then the other thing that we get to watch for is, uh, you know, what Spo does with the lineup against a team that he's probably going to face in the first round because all indications are it's leaning in that direction. So, Alex, uh, without Jimmy, and we'll get into Hero, but Hero played mostly because none didn't play. Without Jimmy, uh, the Heat, Spolster decided to go smaller again in the Phoenix game. He took, he, you know, he took Olenek out of the lineup. He put DJJ in with Crowder. Uh, I guess how much does this just settle Miami after what we've seen without Jimmy, you know, the past couple of games? I mean, honestly, like they said, I think it's good to get those guys back. I know we have kind of settled on staying where they are right now and just kind of, you know, making sure you just end up in that four or five. You're most likely going to get Indiana at this point, but there's still a chance that you get Philly. But at the end of the day, uh, they need those guys. I think it was really good. At the end of the day, I feel really good about what we saw from the Heat offensively without Jimmy Goron and Kendrick Nunn, who, you know, carry the brunt of their offensive playmaking load. And I I feel a lot better about it now. Like, I think Tyler Hero is somebody who you feel even better about after after this, just seeing how ahead of time he is. I think this is somebody who we definitely didn't know who had this at first. But not only that, we saw that he had some of this in summer league. And, you know, we saw flashes throughout the season. But now he's taken, like, a small leap. And I think that that kind of is important. And I think the other thing that's important is uh, what we've seen from Miguel and how good he looks defensively, which I think is going to, you know, that's very important for them because we know their defensive flaws. But, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see how they look healthy again. And, and yeah. So I'm going to get back into, non, into Hero here in a second. I, I want to deal with the none thing uh, first. He's been going through some personal issues. Um, we're not going to get into specifics about them. He was able to handle what he needed to handle this past weekend. Um, but we talked about it, and I don't know if we talked about it on the pod. We talked about it on the streams, uh, that there was kind of a focus issue of late with him. Uh, not, not a passion issue, but a focus issue. And that's, I just want to make that distinction. Um, hopefully that changes now. I think also what people have to take into consideration is that, you know, he also tested positive for COVID. I know people are asymptomatic. 
but but still we've seen people who are even asymptomatic who have some issues so you know he he hasn't looked great there's no question about it but let's transition by using the 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 none thing to get into hero okay you tweeted yesterday greg that tyler hero is not going to come off the bench again <laughs> with the miami heat um oh, yes. I, I don't I, I don't know that that's the case but we have kind of signaled this on five on the floor for a while as we've signaled a lot of things that have happened this year, which was that Tyler hero was likely going to be a day one starter next season. And the point that I keep making is this is next season. He just had a three month layoff. Like he's not a rookie anymore. And I always felt that this was the card that Eric had in his pocket. Eventually, maybe it'd be game one of the first round series. Maybe it'd be game one of the second round series, but that it was going to happen. At this point, now let's just get into Hero now, and, and we'll, we'll, we'll focus on Dragic a little bit after, and I do want to get into the playoff scenarios. But at this point, can you go back? Is there any re- if, if none's not even available until Friday, is there any reason to go back? No. I mean, the short answer is absolutely not for, for, the, you know, for Kendrick Nunn not being there. I think that it's just it's the perfect moment to insert, you know, keep Tyler Hero there. You have Dragic. Um, you know, to support off the bench if things get off to a shaky start or if there's any turnover issues early, but ultimately stick with it. Um, I, I will say this, though, like, you know how Spo is, and, and, and they could absolutely make a, a change. So some of that, you know, I'm gassed up in the moment when I'm listening to uh, and watching the Heat game. But I, I really think that this is – it's such a natural moment that uh, they can move Hero into this starting lineup. And you want to get as much shooting around these guys as possible for this reason – you know, the defensive stuff, we've said it again and again, we may not see it improve when we get up against the absolute best, um, you know, attack type players that the point of attack stuff really uh, hinders them with. So you got to get shooting on the floor. This is just another way to do it. He's rounding out his game. It just makes perfect sense. I don't, I don't uh, know why we would overthink it at this point. Well, and the other thing, Alex, on this is if you re- are reinserting Jimmy and Goran, it also makes it easy to keep Tyler in the starting lineup because you now have your bench catalyst back, right? So you don't really need Tyler doing that. And you can get Tyler out there with Jimmy, which is, although he didn't need Jimmy in the Phoenix game, is something that has made Tyler more comfortable during the season. No doubt. I mean, I I completely agree with everything Greg said there just now. But at the end of the day, it's just like, this this opens up a lot of things for him, right? Because, like, like, I'm sorry, I'm a little bit of biased when it comes to this because I've just talked about it so many times at this point when it comes to the idea of having Tyler Hero as the counter to overplaying Duncan Robinson off of the three and trying to neutralize that and trying to neutralize Miami's offense through that. And I think having Hero out there doing stuff at the same time as Duncan Robinson actions are happening – I think it's ultimately going to be their best look is going to be, and we know that's their core, right? We know that that's how they uh, pretty much have identified and valued those guys one through fours. Uh, obviously you've got Jimmy, the, the veteran all-star, and then you've got their, their three best young players who they consider to be Bam, of course, the, who's already an all-star, Duncan Robinson, and now Hero. But now Hero not only gives you just another shooter who's on the floor with Duncan Robinson and Jimmy and Bam, it gives you another real scoring threat. And I think like, if this team is is one that isn't on the same level as the Celtics and Raptors, I think because of all the problems we've laid out, but Hero taking this small leap, I think actually makes you even more legitimate against them besides, besides uh, you know, Iguodala looking good and stuff, which is going to be imp- important for the defense. But Hero looking like this, if he can score on, on bigger, more athletic guys now, if he's just this comfortable 
uh, maneuvering around the floor and making decisions and making quick decisions, by the way, because they're, they're very quick decisions. Like he's mm-hmm. making veteran decisions already. Like I think that's something that really can help them take them to the next level in a sooner than later type of thing. Do, I'm do all in. The only thing is, you know, Kendrick Nunn is he's still great as a starter, but what if he ends up just like, are, would you really be that upset with him coming off the bench or Dragic? You know what I'm saying? Like, do you really lose much? with putting none off the bench? Well, it's the combination we've talked about, but I think what may end up happening here, and I know they value Kendrick, but I mean, it it wouldn't be the first time. I mean, it just happened with Myers Leonard. I mean, it wouldn't be the first time that a player who was a core player for the Heat during the season gets marginalized a little bit as you move forward in particular matchups. And I mean, the reality is if it's Dragic versus none, it's going to be Dragic. Uh, Now, can, can you experiment with the two of them playing together absolutely you can and I think it's sort of on Goran you know who has had to do this so many times over the course of his career whether it was the fit with Dwayne whether it was in Phoenix where what they had Isaiah Thomas with him at the same time as Eric Bledsoe they were trying to play Mm -hmm. three point guards uh whether it was with Kyle Lowry that they're gonna have to play against and now like honestly something that we haven't really talked about like if you were to try to do this pairing together you're going to have Olenek, who actually looks like a different player than he did in the beginning of the season. And you've got Iguodala, like I mentioned a couple of the times already, who is just, you know, a ball mover, a, a smart decision maker, obviously a great defender. And I think, like, that makes it easier for that Dragic and unpairing to work. Yeah, I think it does. I, but I think, again, you know, Goran's had to do this so many times. I mean, he's had to find a balance. He, they played him with Kyle Lowry some in Houston. Um, it, it's This is a challenge for, oh, for yeah. Goran. Figoron, I think, to kind of figure out, you know, how to make this work with Kendrick Nunn. If it doesn't work, though, then Stagger. I could absolutely see them staggering, and I could absolutely see Spolster shrinking the rotation further. I mean, if you look at it, if you're still going to start Hero, and Dragic, Iguodala, and Olenek are givens off the bench, right? That, that's happening, okay? Provided that Jay is starting. Uh, and, and again, Jay Allen, I mean, he's shooting like 60% from three. It's outrageous. Right. So provided that if it's those, I hadn't heard that one yet, Jay Allen, I've thrown it out there. I'm not getting credit for it, but I'll throw it (laughs) out there and you you can take it. Uh, it may come down to DJJ or none as your, um, it may come down to DJJ or none as your ninth guy. Well, and, and and also to, to that point, the, the, the further you get into a playoff series in a game five, a lot of times you'll have only eight guys play and then the ninth guy gets like seven minutes or something like or eight minutes, you know, like just like absolutely getting a guy a breather and that's it. So I, I agree with you. I think that there's absolutely the, the chance that they would shrink the rotation where you see Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson getting 35, 36 minutes. And at that point, then, you know, you've, you've kind of locked in these eight guys that you're rolling with. And uh, it wouldn't surprise me to see a couple of these other players that have been really huge contributors all season kind of get squeezed as the playoffs go on. Um, Alex, I want to ask you this. Let's get into the specifics of Tyler's play. Because uh, when I asked him after the game on the Zoom call, kind of, you know, about finding that balance between being a playmaker and, and being a scorer, you know, he said that this is something he's going to look at the film. He probably missed some guys and all that. I don't feel like he's that far away with it, though, right? Like, I, it doesn't, like you said, like, I, I understand he always wants to learn. He wants to get better. And I'm not saying he's going to be an elite point guard anytime soon. But the instincts seem to be there, right? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I think he's already getting very – for somebody at his age and his just level of experience, which is just under an NBA season, I think he's absolutely ahead of schedule. And, we, and 
again, I, I really do believe that he just took another small leap. And I'm not saying that this guy is now, you know, an all-star caliber playmaking scorer. I'm not saying he is 80% of Devin Booker, 90% of Devin Booker. I'm saying for his age, he's, he looks great. I think it, he, it's going to be – he's a real weapon. I'm not sure that he – you know, we could really have a conversation about his ceiling and what we think he is. I don't, I don't really know that any of us are good enough to say just because he keeps proving us wrong there. Like, yeah. the, like the guy is just like – Okay, he has short arms, he's skinny. He doesn't have a very strong core, but somehow he came out of this looking better than ever at getting to the basket and you know just not not only not to mention the the real improvements like you said, uh just maneuvering around the floor and making decisions like I I was extremely that was probably last night was the best I that I probably felt about Tyler Hero. I just think like overall his game looks very complete offensively. For somebody that age, again, I don't want to be, do the whole, he's only 21 or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to keep doing it, though, because it's like we, we do got to grade this guy on, on a curve. Like, he's a, he's a rookie. He's not a rookie. At the end of the day, he's very young. And, like, because, I think it's even more impressive to me because of his frame. Like, the guy does not have a very athletic frame in any sense. Like, you usually draft guys, you know, with, oh, a 6'9 wingspan, 6'10 wingspan, and, and – and, very athletic, and he doesn't have any of those profiles at, at, at a B plus or an A. And that's how he's just a player. He's just a player. He's just a player. I think, Greg. I think that's the big thing. Like, I, the more you and watch he's never going to be a point guard. So but, it's but like he, you stick him there next to Jimmy, and it's just like it's perfect though. Good. Like this is this is the thing, and I didn't touch on it in guts check. So I'll, I'll take five seconds to unload it. They don't need him to be a pure point guard. All they need him to do is be functional at that position defend capably and shoot the ball so like it's a perfect role for him uh with the you know the cast that they have around with bam and jimmy and you know the amount of passing that they do you know what else Leif, is that uh again not not to really batter this whole hero starting thing i'm not really in a rush about it i i I would like for him to start sooner than later just because i i do think of him in that core and, and i would like to develop him and get him those reps before the playoffs so that he could start doing some of that during the playoffs when it counts. At the end of the day, though, Kendrick Nunn looked amazing as a starter all year. I think he makes – I think he's a hand-in-glove fit with the starting lineup, whereas, like, Hero kind of raises their ceiling and maybe helps a little bit with their weaknesses because he's not a great defender, but he's bigger. So it makes them – I think, like, the, the big thing there would be you're throwing Dragic and Nunn off the bench where your two weakest point-of-attack defenders, which has been their biggest weakness. And I'm not saying – Throwing Tyler Hero into the starting lineup is going to fix your point of attack defense. What I am saying, again, is you get bigger. And I think, like uh, Ethan mentioned, that's really a card that they haven't played much. It's, it's a look that they haven't given much. But at the same time, it's like, do we really need to see that unit play together to know it's going to work? I think it's just so intuitive and obvious that Jimmy, Bam, Duncan, Hero, plus whoever else you feel like throwing in there, whether it's Andre or Jay, like, it's going to work. And I think they're going to do more of that stuff as time goes on. And again, Dragic and Nunn, your worst point of attack defenders, throw them off the bench coming off, you know, versus other bench guards. I just think it's going to end up being a formula that makes a lot of sense. We, we also don't know that they haven't thrown this lineup out because they may be throwing it out in practice. That, that is uh, a very Spolster-like maneuver. There, there have been times in the past we've been like, well, we haven't seen this lineup together. And then I would talk to players and say, no, we've been using it. We just haven't used it in a game. Um, and and they, they do rotate guys in and out so much that I, I'm sure that those five have played together a little bit. Now, again, 
Tyler was out when Jay um, came in, right? So they haven't, you know, they may not have the chemistry yet, but Cyril's, Tyler's played a ton with Duncan dating back to summer league. He's played a ton with Jimmy. He's played a ton with Bam. So, I mean, and Jay is like the easiest player on the team to fit with. I mean, because exactly. he just sort of plugs all the holes. So I, I kind of, I, I get it. I, I do think at this point, this is more about Ty- Kendrick Nunn's fit than Tyler Hero's fit. I think Tyler Hero with that starting lineup fits. I think they drafted him to fit. Uh, I think they saw him as a guy who could do some ball handling to take some of that burden off of Jimmy without needing a point guard. I think once it was clear that they weren't really using Kendrick Nunn as a point guard, then there's no reason not to put Hero in for Nunn. I don't think you're going to damage Nunn's confidence. He's a confident kid. I think some of this just comes down to Kendrick being able to clear out some of the stuff that's going on you know, in his life right now, which everybody deals with stuff, uh, but that he can focus and, and he can kind of get his game back. But I, I don't think that's the issue. I think it's more the issue of, okay, what happens to Kendrick once he goes to the bench? And I think you hit on it, Alex. It, it may just be they'll roll the two of them out, hope to have a better – it may not be a bigger backup backcourt. It may not be a great point of attack. And we saw what happened with Javon Carter yesterday. It may not be a great point of attack backup backcourt. But that backcourt's going to score on people. I mean, Dragic oh, yeah. and Nunn are a hell of a lot better than a lot of the cards they're going to be going against. And with Kelly out there doing a the dribble handoff stuff, and let's say, mm-hmm. like, you do move to that. Like, what does the, the bench lineup end up looking like? You got Andre and Derek as the forward? Like, I'm very well, good with you, that you lineup. Go with, you, know? you never go with five bench, guys. This is the thing. When we get into playoff time, I yeah. wouldn't yeah. expect you're going to see much Bam and Jimmy both off the floor. So you kind of just plug in one of those two. That's and, other one and You right can there. see the way that these wheels will turn. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. All right, so let, let's get into it beyond this then because we just got a couple minutes left and I want to get to the Michael McCulligan interview. Uh, let's get into the permutations. They're playing Indiana twice, and, and when this was happening, playing them two of the last three, playing OKC in the middle, we were kind of like, all right, um, how do you handle these games? I, I think now how they handle these games has changed just a little bit because Philadelphia lost tonight. Dame, um, Josh Richardson was incredible for Philly, but Simmons is out indefinitely probably for the duration. Embiid went out with an ankle injury. We knew that was going to happen eventually. Josh Richardson scored in the 30s, but they still lost. And so Philadelphia is now a full game behind Indiana and Miami, both of which have the tiebreaker on Philly. Miami has it on Indiana. And so the Heat's magic number to avoid the sixth seed and avoid Boston in the first round is two. So they could either win two games, two of their last three, or if they'll get help with every Philly loss. So basically, if Philly loses to the hottest team in the bubble, which is Phoenix in their next game, Miami beats Indiana, it's over with. Miami will be four or five, uh, and essentially they'll be there and almost certainly would play the Pacers. The only way that this gets tricky, guys, is if they beat the Pacers twice, right? And the Pacers lose their other game, which I believe is against Houston, which is playing for seeding. And so the Pacers, say, lose out, right? The Heat would be the four. It's possible the Heat could still play Philly, right? Because Indiana would be losing three straight. I guess you're right. essentially would have to, what, win three straight, right? That's what's not going to happen. But but I see where you're going there. But at that point, there are certain things you cannot focus on, which you can't control at that point. I think you go into this game Monday night – you play as close to a playoff style rotation as you would maybe with obviously you give a a little bit more of minutes distribution and then you hope you gut out that victory tomorrow night and then you rest guys the last two nights you it's the Gabe Vincent Casey Akpala hopefully show um and and that's kind of how you hope 
otherwise it could come down to that final game against Indy. Yep. I think so. Is that how you handle it, Alex? Play, play yep. them all Monday. Play them all. Try to win them all. I think that's about, about as good as you could do at this point. Just the permutations are a little bit too complicated right now. I mean, I don't even know like what matchup even won if you're the Heat. So I, obviously we know they don't tank games. That's not even in the, well, wouldn't you want Philly, in the question. I mean, I, I mean, at this point, when, when, I mean, you're not, you can't really force I, Philly at this point, but I, I mean, they don't, they don't have Simmons. I don't know if the MB thing is I, or not. The, but. the Sixers thing gives me a lot of like, be careful what you wish for vibes because I'm, they're not better without Simmons, right? I'm not, I will not say that they're, Simmons is an amazing talent. I mean, I think he's one of the best five or seven best defensive players in the league. He's probably the most versatile defensive player in the league right now. But him being out is probably just going to simplify things for them offensively, which has been their biggest problem. I think he, they're going to lose a lot defensively with him, but they still have just so much defensive talent, especially on the perimeter with mm-hmm. Josh, Rivers, Josh Richardson and Tybal. I think like they'll they'll make up for it on that end. They still have Embiid, who is a defensive player of the year candidate. That's it, though. We need the Embiid update. That's that's what this is all about. If we're talking yeah. about Indiana, like we got to know what what's going to be with Embiid. Because if all of a sudden he's missing two weeks, then you start to get into a, a different conversation. If Josh Richardson is and Toby Tobias Harris are the guys that you have to key in on in a first round series. Are, are do we need a Sabonis update? I mean, I, there hasn't no, been no, a bonus update, right? Like he, he left the bubble um, from all that I've heard. It was a pretty serious um, injury that it's going to require quite a few months of rehab, and they're being extra careful with him because, I mean, he's essentially the franchise big man. He may be the only franchise player they have left in another offseason or two. So I wouldn't expect oh. him back. He, he's not wrong. I mean, if Miles Turner is gone and Oladipo, I mean, I mean, unless unless we're considering TJ Warren a franchise player at this point, it is not. funny that you mentioned that though, because like now Turner once again looks better with Sabonis out, and they're yeah. kind of doing like their own uh, a little bit high powered offense now that uh, Sabonis is out of the paint, and Sabonis is great for them. They're that's another team that's 100 percent not better, but they've also like kind of changed up their offense, so it's almost hard to project these two teams right now because they're kind of gonna switch up their their styles a little bit but either way it's like Embiid with a five out and mm-hmm. the way that tj warren is playing right now i really can't tell which matchup you want if you're a heat fan yeah so i i think the thing to do i think greg hit on it. i think you you play everybody this one you try to win it and then you shut people down and and basically yep. you give you play monday and you essentially have a week um you treat it like a training camp week the games are just a distraction essentially and you try to get yourself because uh, you know, it, it's it, the whole purpose of this was to have your core guys healthy when it started. So Bam's getting his wind a little bit. We didn't talk at all about him today. He did acknowledge he needs to take the reins a little bit, which didn't really happen at the end of yesterday's game. Um, but he, now he's going to get help. He's going to get Goron most, most likely back. He's going to get Jimmy back. Um, I, I, and now I, I think. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know, I... With some of the stuff that was going on with Jimmy, it was the foot, which was not real serious. He had some other issues he had to attend to this week. I'll just leave it at that. Nothing serious. 
but I, I, again, I never think it's a bad thing with Jimmy when he gets a few days off. Like even if he's dealing with something, it just feels like he plays better after it may not be a rest to a normal person, but it is to him. It's just kind of, it's away from the grind of basketball for a couple of days. And I, now the first game back is against TJ Warren. Warren. Right. Oh, and, I love it. It's Greg, perfect. I know people are going to think that's why, but it's not. It, they were targeting Monday all along, but it, coincidentally, yes. And that's for sure. Warren is questionable, yeah. but, but yeah, I mean, I just think that they're really well positioned um, to, you know, to kind of get everybody back. They, they found an opening to get hero in the starting lineup. And, and I just, I think we close this part of the, the episode here. They are, you know, with Tyler hero, basically, um, you know, there is no looking back at this point. I think once you've given him the confidence to be a starter, uh, it's a real challenge, I think. And I think you make, you make Dragic, who's your vet, who you trust, kind of figure it out um, in terms of how they're going to play together. So anyway, after the break, we're going to get to our interview with Michael McCulloch. But first, a word from Safe Cubbies. I want to introduce you to another of the great new sponsors of the Five Reasons Sports Network, and it is a sponsor that would be important in any time if you want to have a beautiful workspace, but it's especially important now when you need a safe one as well, and that's safecubbies.com, which offers modular office solutions designed to elevate your open office into a modern and safe environment at any budget. You can personalize your workspace with options like whiteboards, magnetic panels, acrylic sheets, and graphic branding. Most of the surfaces are non-porous for easy cleaning and can be removed or replaced within minutes. Now, this is for workplaces. They've got a bunch of different options on their professional series, but also they've got private room solutions, dividers and sneeze guards, and they have a classroom series as well. So if you're involved with the school, this is definitely something your school should check out, of course, if we have school in the fall. And that's the point here. We're entering a new normal period with COVID-19, safecubbies.com, which is locally owned is the place that you want to go. The phone number is 754-216-1071. Again, that's 754-216-1071 or safecubbies.com. All right, welcome back on Five on the Floor. I want to take you behind uh, the scenes a little bit, get beyond the basketball and introduce you to some stuff that the Miami Heat have been doing. You're probably aware of it. You follow them on the Twitter account. If you check out heat.com, that with everything going on in the country with COVID, obviously with social justice and the push for social justice reform, uh, the Miami Heat have been out there, as have, uh, and not just one person, everybody from Mickey Harrison to Pat Riley uh, to the players to Eric Spolstra um, have been active. They've been vocal. And today I get the pleasure of bringing on a guy who's responsible for a lot of the stuff that everybody likes on Twitter um, and the, the, you know, all the stuff that the vice and everything else, but this is a little bit more serious topic. Uh, Michael McCulloch, the executive vice president and chief marketing officer and 3000 other things I won't name. Uh, Michael, thanks for joining me. Happy to be here, Ethan. Thanks for having me on. Uh, I want to get to, to the initiative in a second and, and I want to talk about this, but bigger picture. Um, when you're an organization that represents, uh, a city, a, a region. Okay. I mean, I mean, you know, we can argue about it, but arguably the most popular sports franchise in the market now. Um, and you obviously have fans from all different demographics. You've got fans, uh, you know, in terms of diversity, in terms of race, in terms of ethnicity, in terms of age, in terms of political beliefs. When you're an organization that's, that's trying to kind of make a, a statement during this time and make a change in some way, how do you navigate those issues 
at the same time as not alienating maybe some parts of your fan base? Well, you know, Ethan, you're, you're right. It's, we, we, we do represent all of South Florida, and we're, we're proud to do that. And we believe we have a really unique position here in, in South Florida because, because of who we are. You know, we're located right in the heart of Miami, and, you know, our, our team has come to represent, I think, you know, in a lot of people's eyes, like, this is Miami, and when you come to our games, it's just it's what you said. It's, it's, it's the entirety of Miami that you find sitting in our, in our arena. And so we realize that we have, you know, that, that diversity in our, in our area and, and in our fan base. But when it comes time for us to, to, um, to use our platform to make a statement uh, about where we stand, um, you know, we, we want to make that, that statement based upon what we think we should be doing. And we recognize that it's not going to appeal to everybody. In fact, we, we understand that some people may be upset with us taking this position or that position or not just sticking to sports as, as you see all the time on, on Twitter. Um, but for us, you know, we, we, have a, we have a responsibility that we feel um, because of this platform that we've been given, uh, both on an individual basis from the players to coaches, but as an organization. And, and we're, we're not going to shy away from that. We haven't shied away from that in the past, and we're not going to shy away from that now. So we realize that we, we want to use this position that we have to advocate for social change, um, to, to shine a light on uh, racial inequalities and racial inequities. Um, and be a, a catalyst for change in those areas. And that always is not going to sit well with people. And, and unfortunately today, like every, every, everything is, is politically charged, even things that, that shouldn't be, mm-hmm. like voting that we're gonna be talking about here shortly. But we, we wanna use our position to do the best that we can, but to represent what we feel is right as an organization, knowing full well that everyone is not going to agree with this, the positions that we take. And Michael, to that point, I talk about the diversity of your audience, the diversity of your fan base, but it's also diversity inside your organization. How, when you're coming up with an initiative, like the voting initiative, um, like the videos that were put out with the players and the other one that was put out with, with more of the executives, uh, how are those decisions made, I guess? In, in other words, I, obviously you have you know, an ownership group that, you know, the Arison family that owns the franchise. You also have a team president that's very active in lot of these things you have a coach who is not afraid to speak his mind especially in the past few years and you have players who are not afraid to speak their mind and you also have people in in marketing people in business people in all around the I mean the organization everybody thinks of people in the court there's a lot of people who work for the heat Um, how are those decisions made so that it represents what you guys collectively want to represent even though you've got a lot of individuals in the mix well, you know, Ethan, great question. And the diversity thing in our office is, is critically important to us. And, you know, you, you may not know, but, um, and I'll just, before I answer the question, I just want to talk about that diversity in our office, because um, we, we were the inaugural winners of the NBA's Diversity and Inclusion Award. And that, that award was given to the team that, that best exemplifies the, the, the values of diversity and inclusion within their staff. Um, and, and we were the inaugural winners of that, that award. And, and when we, um, won that award, we brought our entire staff over to the NBA meetings that were being held here in Miami to accept that award on behalf of the team. And it was great to see this group of this incredibly diverse group of people stand up there and, and kind of take over this, this ballroom space uh, to show the NBA like this is what diversity is about. So we, 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 we try to make sure that we embody that when we make these decisions. So 
when when um, when everything started to come down uh, after the George Floyd murder, it, it was from the top down. You you want to know how the decisions were made? You know, I, I, I was you know I was on the phone with with Mickey Arison, with Nick Arison, with Pat Riley, with Eric Woolworth, with Eric Spolstra, with Andy Ellisberg. I mean, we were all on the phone having these conversations because we know. You know, there's going to be an expectation from us, and people were were going to be waiting for us to to say things and to do things, and and it it it's not a question of you know, boy, we we want to get things 100% right. We're we're not going to get things 100% right. We we want to do what we feel is right, and we're going to try our best to to have that that sort of an impact. But for us, it was it was an all hands on deck. And it continues to be an all hands on deck kind of conversation. I mean, I'm, I'm, I am probably talking directly with with Coach Spo more than I ever have. Um, you know, he he wants to be the person out in front of this initiative for us, and so we are having you know conversations, like I said, m more times than we than we've ever had. Um, and uh, I think that's great because he he's he has raised his hand and said, I want to be out front on this. You know, so um, you know, you talked about our pledge video and. You know, Mickey Harrison was very involved in the actual scripting of that. Uh, Nick Harrison was deeply involved in the scripting of that. And then from the actual selecting those those people to to actually speak, yeah, you mentioned the executives, but everyone else in there is, is what you would call a, a rank and file employee. And we selected those employees because they represent the diversity of our of our workplace, but also because they they each, you know, and I would encourage you to go back and look at that after I tell you this, but they each have had their own experiences in this area of racial or social injustice. Um, and so, I, and I knew that because I know these people and I, I kind of handpicked those people to, uh, to participate in the video because I wanted them to be a part and have, have their voice be heard. You know, we have a, you know, we have a, a black mom who, you know, called me after everything started going down and it was, terrified for her 17 year old son who's a big tall you know black kid and she's she's petrified for him you know um uh you'll see you see bassett hassan in there the the and he's a um you know he's a muslim and he you know he, he and i were talking after everything went down and he was talking about how his kids had come to him and were like you know dad can we leave the united states like can, can we move from here like we we already are having the, this kind of um injustice towards us and geez if, if if this is what happens with with black people like we don't have a chance these are his kids telling him this you know so so i i, I knew all that as we were scripting this and i wanted to get those people a chance to let their voice be heard um so you know this was this was and will continue to be an organizational wide kind of a response and uh, as mickey said like we're, we're we're in it for the long haul and you know thankfully for us we have the type of leadership from top to bottom that that is in this 100%, and and we're not going anywhere. All right, so let's talk about the initiative itself uh, that you guys have just announced, uh, the the voting initiative. I know Eric has spoken about this on on some of the Zoom calls. Explain what you are what 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 you're trying to accomplish here, and how people can participate and and make sure their voices are heard. Well, you know, the, the right to vote is a constitutional right. And if you read our, our press release, that's, that's what we're saying. We're encouraging our fans to exercise their constitutional right to vote uh, because many of the things that people are protesting about or protesting for or unhappy with, you know, start and stop at the, at the ballot booth. And we want to make sure that people understand that it's not just about the, the national elections. 
uh, because many of the things that people are upset about in their local communities happen at the local community level. And so that means that you need to educate yourself and prepare uh, to participate in the voting process each time that you have that opportunity. So it's not just about you know, the, the national election every four years. It's, it's about those local things because in many communities, that's where the decisions are made about who's going to be the local police chief or the decision is made about budgets and where those allocations go. So if people are looking to make change in their own individual areas, they've got to get educated and prepare themselves to vote. So we established heat.com vote and we're working with this group called Ballot Ready. And the interesting and really fantastic thing that we found about Ballot Ready is they were, they were really formed um, by looking at all the pain points that people experience when they, uh, they attempt to vote. You know, what makes people not vote? And they really created this powerful, powerful resource, all based upon removing those pain points that people feel when they, when they want to go vote. Everything from, you know, uh, I'm going to walk into that ballot booth and all I know is uh, who's on, who, who are the top two people that we're voting for for president? And I, I don't know anything else. So people would go into the ballot booth They'd vote for president and the rest of the ballot would be blank. Or people are going in and they're just guessing. Uh, people don't know how to register or where to get their, their mail-in ballot. People don't understand where their polling place is. Uh, so ballot ready, what they do is they accumulate all this information. So when you go to heat.com uh, slash vote, you put your address into the address bar and no matter where you are in the United States, it will pull up information about your local election and the national elections. So you can become an educated voter. And that's the most important thing for us is we wanted people to take the opportunity to get educated because that's what stops a lot of people from going in is that they, they say, I don't know what that um, referendum is uh, in my area. And we want to give them the chance to figure that out for themselves. We're not taking a position here either way. And Ballot Ready is a nonpartisan resource. What we're just trying to get people to do is say, we want to equip you with the tools that you need to educate yourself, to make a plan for voting, and to actually follow through and vote. And Ballot Ready is the most comprehensive uh, site that we saw, and we vetted a, uh, we're on a lot of calls with a lot of different resources like this. Once we talked to the folks from Ballot Ready and we saw their tool, we knew that this was the group that we wanted to align with, because from start to finish, it can take you from registering to vote all the way to you know putting putting your appointment in your calendar, and they will send you reminders to make sure that you get voting on the day that you want to go vote. So it's just a great, great resource. So we're, we're encouraging fans across the country, Heat Nation fans, if you go to heat.com slash vote, put your address in the space bar, you'll be able to get that information about your spe specific community and your specific ballot. And that's the, the key point you made that I, I want to emphasize is that you're not taking a position. I, I think, you know, what happens here, particularly when when organizations, uh, maybe when the politics of some in the organization are known or, or you know, you, you take a position on, on issues that maybe shouldn't be political, they're about humanity, but they become political, especially right. in these times, that there's an assumption that the heat is telling you, you have to vote for this person, against this person, for this referendum, against this referendum. You're not doing that. You simply want to give people the opportunity to get out there and, and be able to vote. So check out the website. I do want to ask you something related to this because Eric Spolster put this out here on one of his calls last week. He actually started the call this way. He's actually been starting a lot of the calls this way before he gets to the basketball. Uh, and one of the things he said was, we, we, we want to use American Airlines Arena as a voting site, and we want to get that done with the city. Can you update in any way where that is? Because I know that's happening in a couple of other places around the country, and it seems like a pretty damn good idea. 
Uh, you are centrally located. You're in the heart of the city. Uh, is there any, any update on that? Well, Ethan, what I would tell you is that we are having ongoing communications with uh, the folks from the Department of Elections in Miami-Dade County. Um, and, um, you know, we're, we're, we're hopeful that we can get something worked out with those folks. Um, I think there's interest on both sides and, and, and we're, we, we had a, um, you know, a meeting as late as yesterday. So that there are ongoing uh, conversations about that. And, you know, we hope, we hope good news comes from it. Uh, as do I, because I, I don't see a reason why it shouldn't happen. <laughs> but that's in, the, in this day and age. I want to ask you, and then we're going to get back to the voting. I do want to ask you one thing just from a marketing perspective, because this is your, your line of, of expertise. And obviously, you get, you've built a, a brand here with, that's pretty recognizable. How do you market a team that's not playing in your arena? What, what, what are you guys doing now? I, I, I know social media is one way to do it. And obviously, there's been the, the, the digital, uh, the, the heat fans up there. A couple times mm -hmm. I wish they'd woken up a little sooner. Uh, <laughs> but but uh, uh, what are you guys, and obviously the vice court was up there, but what can you guys do under these circumstances? Well, you know, it, it's it's really thrown us. It's really been a great challenge, I think, that that we'll look back on and be like, we, we learned a lot during this time. But when when the pandemic first hit and we had to step away from, from basketball as we know it, the first thing that we did is something that we had started early in the season. We asked our fans, hey, what, what do you want to see from us? What do you want us to do? How do you want us to engage with you? And, you know, we got back some really fantastic responses. And we've just been trying to – follow that advice of, of, of engaging with our fans in a lot of different ways. But clearly the, the social media is the way that we're talking to people more than anything. And again, you have to remember this is before we started playing games. Now that we have game broadcasts, we can use those as well. But our social feeds, our digital, our digital properties have been incredibly active with engaging with fans and trying to have these two-way conversations as much as you can with, you know, when you have, you know, you've got 23 million social fans. And I like to try to say, you know, we need to have as many two-way conversations as we can with these people. And that means listening to people and giving them what they're asking for. And so obviously right now, you and I are having a very direct two-way conversation. You know, I'm talking to you, you're talking to me back. Um, you can't really do that on social, but what you can do is, you know, when a fan says, hey, I, I would like to see some of this. And we say, okay, you know, Ethan, one, two, three, four, five, said he wants to see some of this. Then we give the fan base a whole lot of what Ethan has asked for. Even though Ethan was the one that really asked for that, we know that there are still tons of people who wanted to see, you know, if it was Duncan Robinson pictures or Jimmy Butler highlights or whatever it was, or, you know, Tyler Hero fashion, there's millions or hundreds of thousands of Heat fans who wanted to see the same thing. So when we speak back to one of Heat Nation, we like to think that the, the, the rest of the group really feels like you're talking to them because they had that same idea or that same question or want to see that same thing. So we try to engage in those two-way conversations. So you've seen a lot of, you know, you know, player, player video, player highlights. You know, we've done these incredible Zoom things with our 2006 championship team, you know, um, great Zoom things with Dwayne. Um, these are all things that really kind of came from the, the audience and then obviously, you know, we're coming up with our own ideas as well. So we, we, we listened to what the, what the fan base was telling us was the first thing. And then we, we wanted to use this time, like everybody's captive. What can we do to either uh, lighten the mood? Um, you know, it, was, it, it still is obviously a very serious condition. And when it first started and people were staying home, like it was such a different dynamic, you know. So how can we, um, 
you know, get involved in people's lives in such a way that maybe we were a bright spot in the day or there was something that was interesting that they were able to share, you know, things that, that sports can do that other industries really can't. So I think that was the tack that, that we really took was to try to, you know, engage with folks maybe more than we ever had before and, and have those, those kind of two-way conversations with, with millions of people. Michael, you're on to my burner account, Ethan12345. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's one of a few that I, I've got a few that send messages to me, but I, yeah, that, that's, one of the, that's one of the ones I use that says messages. Are you Easy Sniper? Is that what I'm hearing? Oh, don't, don't. Yeah, I, I'm not Easy Sniper. I'm not Easy Sniper. Well, he's, got a, he's, he's got a few dozen, uh, but yes, absolutely. Um, I, final thing here, and then we'll close with, again, sending people to, to the, the site, uh, the registration site. Um, is how does the digital fan for people who don't understand it? How does the digital fan thing work? Okay, like does that come from the league? Does that come from you guys? Like how how does that process work? Yeah, the the NBA obviously. I think you gotta you gotta really take your hat off to the NBA on on this. You know the the entire bubble concept. Um, there's so much work behind the scenes that you know most fans aren't seeing. But if you can imagine what it's taking to pull this off up there. I mean, the folks at the league office have really done a fantastic job from a, from a health and safety perspective to operations to, to entertainment. So the virtual fan thing is a, is a product with, uh, with Microsoft that the NBA has been working on. And, and it's, it's, you know, again, it's really interesting where, where, you know, you get, you get these opportunities to, um, to have the fans say, Hey, I want to be a part of that. So we sent out, you know, kind of uh, promoted it and said, if you want to be a, a virtual fan, you know, let us know. So basically the way it happens, let's say, Ethan, you wanted to be a virtual fan and we, we, we identified you uh, as a person that we were going to select. Um, you know, we would send you um, kind of all this information um, and the nuts and bolts of it is basically you're, you're going to log into Microsoft Teams. You're going to be in this specific chat room. Uh, in that, in those rooms, we have our, our talent. You know, we have hosts in each of these rooms where we have these fans. So, you know, you'll be in a room and, and Mike B, Michael B, our PA announcer, will be your host or Gail or DJ Irie. So you've got somebody that you're familiar with from Heat Games that's talking to you and engaging with you and trying to get you to, to act like you're really at a Heat game. So those folks have logged into Teams. They have one, one screen is set on their experience in the seat and the other screen is set on the game. And so they're watching the game on their computer on a, on a very low latency feed. So almost as it's happening live, those folks who are sitting in the seats are seeing this on their screen. And so that's why when a guy goes to the free throw line, you can have everybody waving their arms and everything because they, they're pretty much at the same, you know, real life time as, as what's happening on the court. So we're, we're having all this stuff is happening in the background. Um, and what you get on the screen is you get these people who are, um, you know, mega heat fans who wanted to be a, have a chance to be in the games in the bubble. And the league and Microsoft have done a really fantastic job of creating this opportunity to put those virtual fans in. And so now we're getting, um, you know, notes from people who want to be virtual fans. We're getting these celebs who, who want to be a part of it. You've seen some other celebs be in, but you know, now we're getting, you know, heat people who want to be a part of the virtual fan experience. So, um, you know, if you, if you want to be a part of that, Ethan, we can definitely set, set you up for that. So you can, uh, there might be something you might want to talk about, but we're definitely interested in having that, uh, that we, we think the virtual fan thing is really, really cool. I'll bring my laptop. Um, I, I, but there, there are some fans we probably should bring though. I mean, uh, Joachim Noah lady. I mean, could she, <laughs> <laughs> could, she could she be a part of this? Uh, Jimmy Buffett getting tossed out. Um, <laughs> what, what other, uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, Khaled has to be there, right? Like, there's yeah, there's... we're 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 talking to DJ Khaled right now about okay. about being a virtual fan. So hopefully, you'll see him uh, uh, sitting courtside. Florida, you know, right? Flo yeah. Flo uh, I mean, th there's there's a certain certain subset. I mean, you know, I mean, the, all the other teams are playing right now, so you can't. I mean, the Dolphins are in camp. I mean, you. Could, I mean, you probably should get Tua down there as a virtual fan. That wouldn't be a bad thing. But uh, yeah, but the, the great thing is, it's just it literally is virtual. So yeah, I mean, if if those guys want to participate, I will say that we've had uh, some of the Marlins have reached out. So I think you'll you'll see some of those guys in our virtual fan section. So. I think people people think it's a, it's a cool thing and they, they can see themselves on TV and who doesn't want to be on TV. So, um, you know, we're, we're definitely interested if if uh, celebs and uh, podcast hosts want to be part of the virtual fans, we're, we're all ears. All right, I'll throw it out there. There is a reason that we're doing the Zoom call on audio, though. So I don't know. So we'll, we'll, see. <laughs> we'll see when I get as long as Paul Pierce isn't down there as a virtual fan. I think you'll be OK with with Heat fans. All right, Michael, let's get a little more serious here to close um, again. Where can people go participate in this uh, in this voting program? It's it's easy. It's heat.com slash vote. And even if you forget the slash vote, and you just end up on heat.com. You're going to see the call out on the front page. Uh, but heat.com slash vote. Put your address in into the space bar wherever you are on uh, in the continental in the United States of America, and you will get specific information about how you can register to vote, how you can request a mail ballot, um, information on your races in your community, your politicians in your community. Uh, you can make a, an appointment for voting. You can schedule your vote. You can fill out a sample ballot. And you can get reminders sent to you on your phone about your voting appointment. So it is literally a one-stop shop for you to uh, become an educated, active participant in the voting process. All right, good stuff. Michael McCulloch, again, thanks uh, for joining us. I'm going to start lining up five on the floor hosts uh, to, to be virtual fans. So we'll see how that goes. Thanks for doing this, as always. And, uh, and let us know if you have any other initiatives coming up. You got it, Ethan. I appreciate the offer. Thank you. Take care. You too. Thank you for listening to the Five on the Floor on the Five Regional Sports Network. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.